We have been, uh, we started a series on the baptism of the Holy, of the, of the Holy Spirit uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and I'm excited to, to continue that this morning, and uh, just to feel His overwhelming presence this morning in our worship is just awesome. His presence is always with us, but sometimes He just overwhelms us with it, and uh, it, it's awesome, and He has more of that for us, Amen. And we can experience that not just in our worship services, but in our lives daily. And that's what we need to look for and ask for and, and expect. Last week, uh, I, I spoke to you a little bit about the person of the Holy Spirit. He is not a, an it or a thing or some mystical thing out there. He is a very real, he is a person. He is part of the Godhead. He's part of the Trinity. He is God and he is powerful and he is strong. And he is for you, and he is for me. The first thing I, I want to be clear on this morning uh, as we move forward is that, is that the Holy Spirit comes to you and indwells you at the point of salvation. So from the very time that you accept Jesus Christ into your lives, the Holy Spirit indwells you. In all the descriptions... And the use of different terms to explain the conversion of the believer, it is clearly stated that the Holy Spirit is the agent at conversion. He convicts men of sin. He sanctifies or sets them apart to salvation. He convinces them of righteousness and dwells with them. John chapter 6, verse 44, uh, John 14, 17, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, all say this. No one becomes a Christian without this gracious work of the Holy Spirit. And this fact is made abundantly clear in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, which says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So when people accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit begins a great work in their lives. So as we look at this, we need to understand that all true born-again believers have the Holy Spirit, okay? However, there is an additional and distinct ministry of the Holy Spirit called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. R.A. Torrey writes this, It is evident that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an operation of the Holy Spirit distinct from and additional to his regenerating work. A man may be regenerated or saved by the Holy Spirit and still not be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In regeneration or in salvation, there's the impartation of life by the Spirit's power. That's the point where you receive new life. Jesus died for you. You've accepted Jesus. You believe he's the son of God. And he saves you and he, he gives you new life. So in salvation or in regeneration, there's the impartation of life by the Spirit's power. And the one who receives it is saved. In the baptism with the Holy Spirit, there is the impartation of power. And the one who receives it is fitted for service. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is an empowering gift from God the Father and is promised to every believer. This is promised to you. It is promised to me, this baptism. 
Hopkins writes this, We must recognize the fact that to have the Spirit is one thing, but to be filled or baptized with the Spirit is quite another thing. So to help us kind of understand this, I want us to look at the life of Jesus. You know, to help us understand this, anything that we look at, we need to go to Scripture, right? We need to look at Scripture, and what does Scripture say about this? What do we see in Jesus' life that communicates us? And so let's look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit from Mary's womb, right? All right, to remind us of that, Luke chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but this is where it is, Luke chapter 1. And I'll read from verse 35 where the angel appears to, to Mary and says, hey, you're going to become pregnant. And she said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel responded in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So we know that Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit, right? And Mary, he is fully God. And he's fully man. The Holy Spirit is in his DNA, just as your dad's DNA is in you. The DNA of the Holy Spirit is in Jesus from the time that he is conceived and he is born. And as a child, he is God and he is man. And the Spirit is in him. And we see that he lives this sinless, obedient life for 30 years. Right? For 30 years, but in this 30-year span, there are no records of miracles or anything like that. Yet the power of God or the Spirit of God is in him. It's who he is. Yet these 30 years are silent. Then something happens at the Jordan River, right? He goes to the Jordan River. If you flip the page, if you're in the Bible with me, over to chapter 3 of Luke. At verse 21, this is what it says. At the Jordan River, John the Baptist is baptizing. You you should know this story. John the Baptist is baptizing and Jesus comes, all right? And verse 20 says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son, which I love. With you, I am well pleased. And so here we see Jesus, who's, who, who the Holy Spirit is in him. It's in his DNA. He's God. He's lived sinlessly. He's lived obediently. But then we see something else happening here. At the point of his water baptism, at, the point, uh, at that point, he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And once that happens, he receives this anointing from on high, which launches him upon and maintained him in the most dynamic, miraculous ministry. Right? At that point, right after he's baptized, what happens? He's driven out into the wilderness. He goes into the wilderness. What happens in the wilderness? We know Satan comes and tempts him, right? And how does Jesus defeat Satan in the wilderness? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you begin to see this miraculous, empowered life of Jesus, the Son of God, living out right before his disciples' eyes and before our eyes as we read Scripture. And so as we look at Jesus' life, we see this picture of him and how the Holy Spirit moved and operated in his life and in his life. 
is a picture of our lives. We as Christians strive to emulate and be like Christ, don't we? We see in Christ the person we want to be. We see in him, now we know we never achieve that because Christ is perfect, but we know because of Christ's righteousness and because of his shed blood, even as we sang this morning, because of him I can stand. Because of his righteousness, because he paid the price, man, I can stand. This God who, who spoke this world into, into, into formation, man, that power is in me, and because of him I can stand. And so we see this alive and well in Jesus. A.J. Gordon makes this same distinction. He says, let us observe that Christ, who is our example in all things, did not appear upon his ministry till he received the Holy Spirit. Dr. A.B. Simpson, founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, writes this. First, Jesus was born by the Spirit. Then he was baptized by the Spirit. And then he went forth to work out his life and ministry in the power of the Spirit. And so we see this example of how this, is, 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 this comes to Jesus. And so let's also look at the lives of the disciples. We see this in Jesus' life, but what about the lives of the disciples? How did this work with them? Do we see the same picture here? Well, the disciples of Jesus left everything they had to follow him. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. They confessed that he was the Christ, that he was the Son of God. Right? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, in John 6, 68 and 69, we know the Bible says that we can't even declare that Jesus is the Son of God without the Holy Spirit doing that. Right? That's what the Bible says. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is there. Jesus had pronounced them clean in John chapter 15, verse 3, with the exception of Judas in John chapter 13, verse 10 and 11. And I can give you these scripture references if you want to write them down after the service. But he had also declared their names were written in heaven in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Now, I know I've thrown a lot at you right there. But we need to understand that here they are, they're with Jesus. They have declared, hey, this, this, this man, who's, they, they recognize him as being fully man and fully God. They recognize him as being the Son of God. And they left everything and they followed him. All right? He, he declared that they were clean except for Judas. All right? And then he said to them, hey, remember when the 72 went out? And they came back and they were amazed because they said, man, even demons were were having to submit to us. And Jesus says to them, don't be amazed by that. Be amazed that your names are written down in heaven. All right? This is what your Bible says. And so he says, man, at that point he's saying, you are saved. Their names are written down. The Holy Spirit is, is in them. And then this interesting thing happens, right? Jesus, obviously, we know is crucified on our behalf. And then he appears to his disciples in John chapter 20, verse 22. It says, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Riggs writes this about this particular passage. He says, we see that on the night of the resurrection, when Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, The spirit of the resurrected, glorified Christ was now available to human hearts. And Jesus hastened to impart this life to his disciples. The spirit of God's Son, the spirit of Christ, as the spirit of conversion, 
came into their hearts on that occasion. He had died. He had become glorified in order that he might come into the lives of all believers. We know what? Jesus was fully God and he was fully man, but he was also very fully physical man. All right? When Jesus was crucified and when he rose again, he was now glorified. He just appeared places. We didn't see that happening before. He was in glorified form. And then when he breathed on them, now he said the Spirit of Christ, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, one of the names for the Holy Spirit, there are many of them, he breathed on them and said, receive. This way, Jesus could now be in the lives of all believers, not just wherever he was physically. So at that point, he says to them, he breathes on them. The first thing he wanted to do is, man, I want to be in you. I want you to, me to go with you wherever you are. I will be with you, not just where I am in physical form. And so he breathes on them and sees, says, receive the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. And so interesting enough, as we look at this, then we see Jesus gives them this great commission, doesn't he? Before he ascends to heaven, he says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we see this, this very real picture of what's happening. They've left everything. They're following Jesus. They've declared that he is the Son of God. Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he gives them the great commission that stands today, this overwhelming mission that we cannot accomplish in our own strength. And says, go and make disciples of everybody in the world. Not some, not your neighbor, Everybody. He says, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. Go. And yet, they were commanded by Jesus to wait to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit before leaving. Luke chapter 24, verse 49 says this. I am going, this is what Jesus says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Interesting how we see the same kind of scenario in Jesus' life, right? He has the Spirit in him. But at the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Jordan, where the Holy Spirit comes down upon him, he is empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that launches him into his ministry. We see in the disciples' lives, the Holy Spirit is in them. He, the Holy Spirit is with them, Right? And so Jesus says, he breathes in them, says, receive the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit, but there was something else that Jesus wanted them to have. He wanted them to have the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which is a, an impartation of power, or as scholars say, an operation of the Holy Spirit. And he says to them, don't go. I'm giving you this incredibly tough, overwhelming mission that you can't accomplish in your own strength, but I'm going to do it for you. Do not leave in your own power. It's like he's saying, Look, you can't handle this by yourselves. And so, isn't it amazing? We couldn't save ourselves, and so Jesus died for us, and he saved. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And then he gives us a mission that we can't accomplish by ourselves. But then he says to us, don't worry, I'm going to give you the power to accomplish it, and wait for that power before you go out.
And so we see this taking place in their lives. And then all through the book of Acts, what I love about this is, is that I'm not going to get into Acts chapter 2 right now, but, but I'll, t- I'll go there next week. But, you know, here they're in unity and, and they're waiting and, 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 you know, they end there for three days and the Holy Spirit moves and they're filled and they're speaking tongues and people are going, what on earth is going on here? And then Peter gives this, 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 this sermon and, and, and he, he basically explains to them what's happened. And this is Peter who not too many days earlier, ran away because he didn't want to be associated with Christ. And now he boldly stands up saying, man, this is, this is where it comes from. And, and, and this is what the prophets talked about. And it just launches him. And, and, and Peter gives this incredibly powerful message in, in which 3,000 people got saved. Do you really think that was Peter? Or do you think it was the power of the Holy Spirit moving through Peter? I know what I believe. So Peter gives this amazing, powerful message through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, actually, he says to them this. In chapter 3, verse 21, he says, When all the people were being baptized... Oh, I'm jumping ahead. I apologize. I'm behind. All right. Peter explains to them that this is not just... For the people at that time. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38 through 39, Peter says at the explanation of this, he says, Repent to the onlookers. He says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. And for all whom the Lord our God will call. As I read that, it just seems pretty clear to me. This promise is for you. And it's for your children. And for all who are even far away, who haven't even come yet, or been here yet, or been born yet. And for all whom the Lord God will call. Makes it abundantly clear. This is for you. This is for me. This is for us. And then we see in chapter 3 of Acts, just one little, little thing I want to highlight. This is the power and the boldness that, that moving in the power of the Spirit and being baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit gives us. Chapter 3 of Acts says this, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. That's a bold statement. Look at me. He was full of the power of the Spirit. Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. We can see the power and the transformation and the boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit being lived out in the lives of the believers. And Jesus says, this is for you. He says, this is for me. 
I'm a, I'm a guy that learns a lot from pictures and images, so I, I hope to paint a couple pictures for you this morning that maybe help us understand this. One I'm going to use is one that, that somebody wrote. I'm not sure who to give credit for for it, but I'm going to use it. This particular person writes this. He says, as a Christian, we may be compared with a reservoir for producing electrical power. So like a dam, a big a lake and a dam, and, and, and it's used for generating power as the water moves forward. And, and he says this, when we accept Christ, construction of our reservoir is complete. It's been built. It's there. It exists in your life. We now have the potential to be useful and to affect lives. But until the floodgates are opened, and until the cascading river waters pour through, no power is realized. So it is when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. We open our lives to God, and the Holy Spirit pours into us and through us. It is then that we become most effective in God's service. As with reservoirs, this power-generating experience is not intended to be a one-time thing. It's to be an ongoing process. When our spiritual power runs low, we need to return to the source and let the blessed Holy Spirit pour into us again, bringing fresh power. This happened to the early followers of Jesus. They had already been baptized in the Spirit, but later on, when persecution arose, they needed a new surge of spiritual power. And so they prayed to the Lord once again, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I need it in my life. And even as the Holy Spirit spoke to us this morning in a message from him saying, we, we're not called to move in this alone, in our strength, but only through his, alone in his strength, alone in his power. How many of us are trying to live our lives in the power of our own strength? Do you know that Jesus has told us not to do that? Do you know that we're supposed to move in the scripture? We don't have the power to save ourselves. Jesus died for us. And then he gives us and says, wait and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Be empowered by him. That he strengthens us through this empowering And it does so many things in our lives. Yes, it empowers us for service. It empowers us in our prayer language. Do you know that when you pray in tongues, it is the Holy Spirit praying through you and for you in words that truly express what you really need. It is such a powerful prayer. You may not understand the words. But one of the benefits of your prayer language is it's the Holy Spirit praying for you. There are times where people come up to me and they want prayer. And their situations are so complicated, I don't even have the words. But I know he does. And if I pray in tongues over them, I know it's the Spirit praying through me for them in ways that they really need. Let me tell you that's a powerful prayer. And it's not got to do with how well I articulate my words. It's about me recognizing Him. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need Him not just in church services, but I need Him to live. How many problems maybe in your family are you trying to handle in your own strength? How many problems at work are you trying to handle in your own strength? How successful are you being in those? 
But when you yield to the Holy Spirit and you recognize and say, man, Holy Spirit, I know this is, you are here for me. It is a free gift. I am here and I'm yielding my life. Would you move and would you take control? And I give you authority in my life, not just Sunday morning, not just when I feel like being spiritual, but no, every day of my life. Do you recognize that what receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about surrender? It's about control. It's completely about control. And you know what? Just having a relationship with Jesus Christ is also what? About surrender. It's about dying to self and letting Christ live in us. It's no longer about Selwyn's desire or Selwyn's will. It's about Christ being life and his will and his power being lived out in me. And so to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have to learn to surrender If you're anything like me, that's tough. It took me three years of praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Three years. Because I was a bit of a control guy. When I prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'll be honest with you, I just knew it was something I needed. I wasn't really thinking about why. I just knew, hey, uh, you know, Pentecostal, I believe in this, and people speak in tongues, I need this for my life. And I didn't really put a whole lot of thought into, well, why do I need this? The reason why we're taking our time with this series is I really want everybody to understand what you're praying for, should you pray for it. I want you to understand what this is. I was, I was pushed around and, 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 and by, by very well-meaning Pentecostals. I was told, raise your hands. I was told, say this. Put your hands down. Receive. I was pushed almost over. And back and forth for three years. And me, I was the guy who was going, I was saying this the whole time. You know what, God? Most of the time my prayer was, God, make these people leave me alone. I'm just being honest. And you're laughing because you probably have the same experience, but we're too polite to say anything. And most of the time people gathered around me, and they were good people, and they meant well, but I was so distracted by them that I wasn't really focusing on Jesus. Do you understand that Jesus is the baptizer? He's the one who baptized us in the Holy Spirit. When you watch our baptisms up here, normally it's me, a pa- another pastor, or a deacon, and, they, and we baptize someone in water. I want you to take that same imagery and go, when I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus doing the baptism of me. And I'm being submerged not in water, but in the Spirit's power. And I come back up fully drenched in His power. All right, that's what He wants to do for you. And so, but we have to understand that. But for me, I was pushed around, and, and people were saying, do this. And, and then one lady was pushing me. She's really, really, this really, really strong Pentecostal lady. So, you know, I just got to say this. The Holy Spirit doesn't need our help. Right? If, if you're a prayer person and you're a pastor, please don't push people over. He doesn't need you to do that. You're not helping him out. He's not weak. If he wants them to go over, they will go over. He doesn't need you doing that to help him out. I get so tired of that stuff. Man, man, this Lion of Judah doesn't need my little insignificant help to help him out or to prove or justify. I don't have to have so many people baptized in the Holy Spirit to justify my ministry. It's not me who does the baptizing. It's up to him. It's got nothing to do with how well I pray. It's got everything to do with a free gift. From, and also, let me say, it doesn't make you more spiritual. Right? It doesn't make you, you don't have to be mean. Some mean people have it. 
They just do, and they're abusive with it. And they'll look at other people who don't have it and go, you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? As if they've got some kind of rank with it. Good grief. This is not what it's supposed to be like. This is a gift from God. Let me tell you how you receive it. You become open to it. You look for walls that exist in your life and you surrender them to him because he wants fully surrendered lives. You can prep yourself to receive. You don't earn it. It's not spiritual rank. And if he gives it to you, it's to have purpose and power. If I were to give you a shovel and go, Nick, here's a shovel. And Nick took the shovel and go, man, it's beautiful. Have you seen my shovel? And he hangs it on the wall. And everybody comes in. He shows him the shovel. I'm going to say, Nick, I gave you the shovel because I wanted you to dig a hole. It wasn't meant to be shiny. Go dig something with it. Sometimes we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we want to show it off to everybody. He didn't give it to you to show off. Go use it. Go move in power. Go build this kingdom. And you can't do it in your own strength. It's only done in his. And so we've got to be careful. We pray for this. It doesn't give you spiritual rank. All right? Because there are some mean people who have it. People that you avoid. And I avoid. And so I was prayed, And I, when I was pushed around by this lady, and she's a good lady, she just, it just was not the right way. I spent most of my time going, I'm not going over. And only God can push me over. And let me tell you, when you're trying to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with your defenses up, like it's not happening, yeah, just forget about it, you know? Let me tell you how it happened for me. For me, it happened when I said, God, I don't mean this horribly. They were good people. I don't want to think about these people. I want to think about you. I want everything that you have for me, for me Jesus. And I pictured him on the throne. Is this what I, you don't have to do. This is what I did. I pictured the throne and I said, Jesus, I want everything that you have for me. Will you give me everything? Guys, I don't care if you're in this place and you're going, I don't believe in this. Look, I don't care. It sounds horrible as a Pentecostal pastor. Guys, listen. As a Christian, do you want everything that Jesus has for you? If you're a Christian, the answer should be yes. I'm going to tell you to do one thing. Seek him. Don't seek the thing. Don't seek the tongues. Seek him and say, Jesus, I want everything that you have for me. I don't want to move in my power. I want to move in your power. I want to be the man. I want to be the woman. I want to be the Christian. I want to be the pastor that you want me to be. I can't handle life by myself. Show me the walls in my life that are built up, that are preventing me from surrender, and take my life. And if you wake up speaking in tongues, don't blame me. All right? But it's not about that. But move forward in his power and let him take you. It doesn't matter if it takes three days. You know what? Sometimes it takes us longer because God wants us to wait on him. He wants us to really press in and push forward with him. The question is, what will you do with this? Will you move forward? We live in New England, the most unreached, unchurched part of this country, and God has placed you here. Please, Don't do it in your own power because you can't. There are people who are going to die and go to hell if you try and do it by yourself. He said not to. You and I need to move forward in the power of the Spirit. Let Him move through us. I want to say one more thing before I close. Sometimes when we're praying for the power of the Spirit, to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we will say things like this. I did this a lot. I don't want to say this. I feel like there's a word coming. I don't want to say that because what if it's me making it up? 
all right? You don't have to raise your hands, but some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You maybe you have the same experience. I don't want to make something up. I don't want to be talking garbage. What if this isn't from him? And we begin to say, what if it's not from him? I did the very same thing. I respect that because you want to be real. But I want to caution you. It's about yielding to him. Sometimes we can use it as an excuse never to move forward. Let me tell you, the easiest thing that you will ever do in obedience to the Holy Spirit will be speaking in tongues. Because here's what he wants you really to do. If you will second guess that and you will say, oh, what if I don't want to look like a fool? I don't want to make God look bad if I say this is not from him. And we begin to justify our disobedience. What happens when the Holy Spirit says, Selwyn, I want you to get up and I want you to walk over to that person who you do not know and I want you to tell them that I died for them. Guess what? That same thought process comes to place. Well, well, what if this is Selwyn? What if this isn't God? What if they think I'm crazy? What if they think this? And we begin to justify our way out of doing it. We've got to be careful not to, not to basically yield to that, to that thought process. God, the, the whole thing about it is surrendering. And if we will surrender, then when the Holy Spirit says, hey, someone, I want you to move, I'll go, yes, okay, I'll move. What if he says, someone, I want you to sell everything and I want you to go over here and quit your job and do ministry? Let me tell you, speaking in tongues is easy then. It's about surrender. It's about obedience. It's about his kingdom. It's about his life. And guess what? When he moves in your life, it's amazing. It's amazing. I've gone longer than I wanted. I want us to respond, not to me, but to him. You can respond in your chairs. You can respond up here. But, but don't leave your response here. When you walk out of these doors, respond when you go home. Respond at work. Respond. It's about yielding to him. Let's have some time with him this morning. Ask him where those walls exist. If you're dry, ask him to refill you. We need this constantly. It's not a one-time thing. I'm going to you stand to your feet, and I'm going to pray. And then I'm just going to ask you to respond, how the Holy Spirit leads you to respond. But I want to challenge you, listen to him and how he tells you to respond. Don't justify doing what you want to do. Don't let your pride get in the way. You yield to him. Let today be the beginning of a new powerful life in him that he has for you. Lord Jesus, we come before you. God, I thank you that you said that you would not leave us as orphans. I thank you that you saved us. You died in our place and you gave us new life. And I thank you that, Jesus, you gave us this overwhelming mission and job. But then you said, but you don't have to do it. Just show up and I'm going to give you the power of the Spirit. And he's going to do it in you. And so we don't have to go about life by ourselves. We don't have to go through all of these challenges. God, and when we do, we know it's your power and your strength that gets us through. God, help us to yield. Holy Spirit, help us to yield to you. Help us to to recognize walls that exist in our lives that we can just let fall down to the ground, that you will take control. Help us to surrender to you and help us to be the empowered Christians, the empowered husbands, wives, leaders, workers that you've called us to be that your name would be glorified and that your kingdom would be built. We surrender ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Altars are open. Your